a number of scriptures, the Bible is very clear that when we draw near to God, He'll draw near to us. That's it. Isn't that beautiful? We draw near to God, He draws near to us. And what did we learn last week? When we move, God moves. When, when we come close to God, God comes close to us. That's His heart. That's what God wants to share with us. And, and so I want to go one step further tonight. I'm going to start with a quote from D.L. Moody. And, and, and this is, again, just a an idea of revival. D.L. Moody said this, Every great movement of God can be traced to a single praying, kneeling figure. Every revival, every move of God can be traced back to that single praying, kneeling figure. Prayer is an important component to revival. And so tonight I want to talk to you about prayer. And when you study the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about prayer, it doesn't matter if you're in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, you go throughout it's going to teach you about prayer. And in fact, there are over 650 prayers recorded in the Scripture. So the Bible is a Bible that tells us all about prayer. The most definitive teaching on prayer comes from Jesus in the Gospels as He teaches us how to pray and and what should be the, the, the aspects of our prayer life. We're going to talk about that toward the end of our message tonight. But, but as we dive in, I, I want you to get in your heart and life that we need to be instructed on prayer. It doesn't matter if you're good at prayer or bad at prayer or if you pray a lot or pray a little. It really doesn't matter. I mean, there, it's, we just need to know how to pray. I, I don't know about you. I, I don't want anybody to feel under uh, guilt that, oh, I don't pray enough. Or, I just want to let you know tonight, God wants you to pray. He's calling us to pray. And as we pray, that's when He moves. And, and so I want us to see, what does the Bible teach me about prayer? What does the Bible teach you about prayer? And let's get that inside of our hearts and our lives because prayer is so important. Prayer is that instinctive response that every human has. It's not just for those who believe in God. It's amazing how our our instant reaction to a time of crisis or a time of need or or an injustice or or something that happens, a, a catastrophe in our life, we immediately start to pray. I was so moved this week as watching what happened in Colorado, and I know you've watched the news, and, and it's overwhelming. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight as we come to the end, because I believe God is going to do something in our world. As, as the crazier our world gets, the closer it gets for Jesus to return. And He tells us how we should be living, and how we should be praying, and how we should be acting. But what was interesting in the news reports, and, and I don't know if you noticed this, but this is something I noticed Every time they would uh, interview a, a person that was an eyewitness or maybe in the theater, every single person that I saw, person after person, channel after channel, they talked about their fear, they talked about all the different things, all the, if you can even imagine what would be running through your mind, but every single person to a T said, uh, I prayed. At some point in the middle of it, I just, I just began to pray. And that's because that's an instinctive response we have. That, that something is wrong and I need to tell God about it. And so that's what prayer is. And so I want to be instructed on how to pray. Because if I don't pray, you know, I'm going to worry. I'm going to be full of fear. I'm going to probably end up complaining. I'm going to probably end up, you know, just trying to do it on my own or striking back in anger. If I don't go to God... I'm going to be in big trouble. And so I need to learn how to pray. 
And prayer should be that natural reaction. It should be the natural response, especially for those of us that trust in God. That should be our first go-to, that we go to God for relief, for salvation, for forgiveness, for help, for revival, that we would go to God. That we would go to Him in hope, saying, God, I know that You're there. Going to Him in faith, that that He is there and that He is listening, and He's ready, willing, and able to come to our rescue. That He has the, the power to deal with what we're going through or to change circumstances. I have the hope and the faith to believe it. And so I pray, and I wait for God to move. And I pray, and I wait. And I pray, and I wait. I brought the clock from my office that I have on a shelf, and it's really the only clock I can see in my office from my desk. And, and, and I just use it to time things when I'm meeting with people or praying or different things. And, and so I see it, and that kind of represents time and to me. And, and as the seconds click off, I, I think of life. And sometimes when we're praying, it seems like the clock is just going. And we're like, God, where are you? I've been praying for this, or I've been praying for that, and, and, and we pray, and we wait, and we pray, and we wait. But we wait with hope. We wait in faith. We wait in perseverance. Because a lot of times when we pray, we get tired of praying. We get frustrated with praying. We get overwhelmed with the situation, and we're praying, and we're waiting, and we just want to give up. And here comes the first lesson Jesus gives us. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 18. Now, we won't have time to go through all of Luke 18, but all of Luke 18 is teaching on prayer for you and me. And if prayer is our instinctive response, let's do it right. And so Jesus teaches us at the beginning of Luke 18, one day, Jesus told His disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge and a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how will he find, or will he find on the earth, uh, will, excuse me, How many will he find on the earth who have faith? I want to come back to that last statement there just in a second. But the main point of the parable, what's the main point of this parable? Jesus is saying, pray and keep on praying. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Keep on making that move. Keep on. Never give up. And when it comes to that last phrase that I butchered as I was reading it, but when the Son of Man returns, when Jesus comes, how many will he find on earth who have faith? He's asking, when I come back, will there be anybody that's still praying? Will there be anybody that's still hoping, that still has faith? Will there be anybody left? 
God is not the uncaring judge in this story. He isn't. God loves you. He died on a cross to forgive you of your sins and to make you whole and complete in Him. He loves you. Jesus is not saying, hey, ask me a hundred times. Keep on begging, and then maybe you'll get what you want. It doesn't work that way. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. You go to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. It says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? He's saying if this bad guy is going to give justice to this widow, even when he doesn't have to, just because he's... How much more is God who loves you going to answer your prayer? How much more? And then, notice in verse 8, it says that, that, that God will give it to us quickly. We pray and we wait, we pray and we wait, we pray and we wait full of hope. Now, inside your Bible blog, in your bulletin, I, I wrote about what I want to see happen in our lives, maybe beginning this week, maybe you already do this, but, but I want to see us just turn our life into a life of prayer. I'd like us, before our feet ever hit the ground, that our knees would hit the ground first. That the, the last thing we do before we get in bed, that we would be on our knees. And in, inside of the Bible blog, I gave you a few verses that you can maybe pray and use that as a, a jump start to your prayer time in the morning or when you go to bed. But that we would begin and, and end each day on our knees with God. And then we would live out what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.17, that we would pray without ceasing. That we would live the day praying to God. Because as we learned last week, one of the keys to revival, the one of the keys to coming and seeing God move in our life, is prayer. And, and so we need to open that dialogue with God, beginning in the very morning, running throughout the day, until the very evening. Let me ask you this, how would your life change if you kept that running dialogue from the moment you got up to the moment you went to bed? How would your life be different? And that's really what God wants. And let me tell you why. It's because that's what the Bible calls abiding with Jesus. That we wake up with Him. That we spend the day with Him. That we go to bed. And, and we talk to Him the whole time. That we abide in that relationship with Jesus. Let me show you what Jesus teaches on the very last night of His life. It's just Him and His disciples. These are His last moments with them before the cross. And He talks to them in John chapter 15, beginning at verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear, or he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is talking about this abiding relationship. That, that, that the, 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 the branch is connected to the vine. And there's life and, and they're, they're together all the time. Look at verse 6. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch then withers, and, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you aren't abiding with God, if you aren't abiding with Him, uh, there's going to be death in your life. There is going to be that detachment from God. And we're created for that relationship of abiding. So look at verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Wow. If I'm abiding with Jesus in prayer, 
hitting my knees before I ever take it and stand up on my feet. And I'm talking to him throughout the day. And if I'm listening to what he's telling me, and I end my day with him, I am abiding with him. And he says, look, when you're with me like that, ask whatever you want. That's the type of prayer that God wants in our life. That's the type of relationship, that type of abiding. In fact, he goes on in this last evening of his life, and he's praying, and he's saying, I wish we would be one, that we would be one with Jesus, just as, and he says to the Father, that that you and I are one. Imagine how close Jesus and the Father, the Son and the Father were here on this earth. I mean, anything the Father told Jesus to do, he did. I mean, nothing came out of his mouth that wasn't from the Father. He didn't do anything except what the Father told him to do. He's constantly being found in prayer and intercession and time with the Father. And he's saying, I wish you would be with me like I'm with the Father. I wish you would abide with me as I abide with the Father. I mean, if you have that kind of relationship, imagine what life would We wouldn't even have to talk about revival. That would be revival, wouldn't it? Abiding with Jesus like that. And he says, that's what I want. So keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying and waiting on me. Keep praying and wait on the Lord. That's the heart of God for you. So now let's get super practical. And this is where I want you to get your sermon notes out. So that I can share some things with you. You can write these down, discover them for yourself, and make prayer a part of your life every day. Romans 8.29 says that, that God's call for our life, His plan for our life, is we'd be conformed to the image of Jesus. And, and again, that's, that's called discipleship. That's what we're supposed to be involved with. So what role does prayer play in that me becoming like Christ and abiding with Him and one with Him? So I'm going to give you a few things. I'm going to talk about them as we go along. First of all, prayer is communication. I just want you to write that down. Prayer is communication. And God wants that line opened. And if it's not opened right now, he wants you to reopen it tonight with him. Because every relationship needs communication. When we're counseling and premarital counseling, we say one of the pillars of a marriage relationship is communication. And you were created for a relationship with God. So obviously, that's very important. And Paul says, you need to be doing this all the time. You need to be studying this and, 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 and communicating and talking with God. Prayer is fellowship. and It's keeping in touch. I mean, if Jesus is our Lord, if He is our Savior, if He is our friend, shouldn't we be communicating with Him? Shouldn't we be talking to Him? Shouldn't we be listening to Him? It says in Jeremiah 33.3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I love that, don't you? I want to be close. I want to pray. I want to wait on him. And he's going to begin to reveal things to me that I don't even know. And that's going to only happen when there is communication. The second thing is prayer takes place in a relationship. Prayer takes place in a relationship. That communication is so key, as we talked about, for a relationship. It has to be open. It has to be clear. It has to be truthful. It has to be abiding. And again, we're created for that relationship with God, so we better be communicating with God. Number three, prayer demands partnership. Prayer demands partnership. 
And this is important because otherwise prayer can just become a routine. It can become empty. You are God's child. You're his disciple. You belong to him. And God created you for a purpose, for a reason to fulfill. And when we talk to him and wait on him, he's going to tell you what he wants you to do. That only you can do. And so there's a partnership in prayer. You are called to partner with God in this world. I I love that when we were singing that song, Here I Am to Worship, just at the end, just as John just kept singing it in the Spirit, just, here I am, here I am, here I am. And that should be our partnership with God. Here I am. Tell me what to do. I want to obey you. I want to follow you. And I love that partnership with God because He gives us the plan. And not only does He tell us, this is what I'd like you to do, He then gives us the power to accomplish it because we can never do it on our own. First of all, the plan's bigger than we are and it requires more than we have. But He says, tell you what, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do and then I'm going to give you the power to do it. That's our God. I love Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can do anything through Christ. Whatever He asks me to do, I can do. And then finally, prayer involves work. Prayer involves work. Prayer and work go hand in hand. Because God's going to ask you to do something, and then you have to obey, and you have to do it. Prayer will lead you to a life of action. When you begin to pray and abide with Him, when you begin to pray prayers like we sang tonight, here I am, God's going to begin to lead you for something you are to do. This especially happens when we begin to pray for revival. God's going to ask us to do things maybe we've never done before. And He's going to challenge us. And, and we have to say, okay, God, it's, that's what we're going to do. And I liken it to a marriage relationship because I could tell my wife, Leslie, that I love you. But if I never demonstrate that love, those words just ring hollow. And in fact, the communication will break down because there is no showing that the words really mean anything. And and when we say, God, we love you, we want to serve you, when we say, here I am, we're saying, God, that's it. Because if you don't do anything, the, the, the beautiful thing about marriage is that we do life together. The good, the bad, the ugly, the fun, the struggles, all of that you do together in marriage. And that's what God says, I I want you to call on me. I want you to be in relationship with me, abiding with me, that whatever I ask you to do, whether it's easy or it's difficult, that you would do it. And that's why it involves work. Prayer is what we call a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. And In uh, our Activate series, and and if you want to watch this, and and our third uh, installment of Activate, and those are eight things that are part of our life of discipleship, and you can borrow these from the uh, Welcome Center out there. They're also available online in video format. You can watch these. They're they're free. Just take them and, and watch them. But I talk about our devotional life. I talk about our prayer life in the third DVD because prayer is so key. It is a spiritual discipline, and the disciplines are there to make us like Jesus. They're there to make us disciples. And uh, so prayer is, is something we practice in obedience, and we, we do it as a discipline even when we may not feel like it, even when it's difficult. 
And, and so no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, you're called to pray and to keep at it, to, to not give up, to keep doing it. And when you do it, God loves it. He loves it when you talk to Him, when you share your heart with Him, when you're honest with Him. God loves that. And so let's get now super practical. What are you going to bring in your prayer time to God? What are you going to do when you hit your knees? What are you going to do throughout the day? So what do you bring in your prayer time? The first thing is you bring repentance and confession. Repentance and confession. We talked a lot about this last week, so I won't spend time here, but, but God responds to people. God responds to nations that, that come with a, a heart of repentance. They confess their sins. They turn from them, their sins and they walk in a new direction. It doesn't matter if it's an individual like, like David or, or uh, the children of Israel or a pagan group of people like Nineveh. If you confess your sin and repent of your sin, God honors that and He loves that. And so we come and we bring re- uh, repentance and confession. We also come, number two, in humility. In humility. If we had more time, I'd just keep going through Luke 18. And the next story is the story of the Pharisee and the sinner. And we all know that story. The Pharisee's praying a real proud prayer. And the, and the, the, the sinner just basically says, you know, forgive me, God, I'm a sinner. And, and Jesus asks, who did God hear? He didn't hear the person praying in pride. God always responds to our humility. And so when we come before God, just remember who He is and who we are. And just come to Him in humility. And God honors that. He loves that. Number three, come to Him in weeping. When, when, when you are moved, maybe because of something you've done or somebody else has done or you see something on television like we've been watching this past week or our heart is moved, we come. And a lot of times weeping relates to the, the first things we've talked about here, repentance and confession and humility. But, but I love Hosea 12, verse 4, where he's talking about Jacob. He said, he wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel and there God spoke with us. That when we come to God with our tears, He speaks back to us. We meet with Him. We experience Him in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our anguish, in the midst of our confession. Whatever is causing that tear, God meets with us and speaks to us. Number four, we can come and we can bring fasting. Throughout the Bible, when someone needed something from God and was calling in God, trying to draw near to God, uh, fasting was a part of their calling out to God whether it be Nehemiah or Daniel or even the church in the book of Acts, they came before God. They maybe didn't eat for a while or they would, uh, you know, in, in our case, I know a lot of people maybe abstain from television or the internet or different things. And, and, and what we would do is we'd spend that time, we'd normally be doing something else, seeking God and saying, God, you're more important. And God honors that. We can bring that to him in our prayer time. Number five, we can bring our watchfulness, our watchfulness. Jesus calls us to pray more in the end times than any other time. And, and let me just read. It's not on the screen. But I'm just going to read 1 Peter 4, 7. It says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. I said this at the beginning. When the world starts looking crazy, that's when we're to be hitting our knees. Jesus said... How, you know, he's talking in Matthew 24 and 25, and, and all these bad things are going to happen. And he doesn't say, okay, now just go down to your bunker, hide out there, buy some food. And no, he says, hit your knees and start praying. When you see these things, watch and pray. 
That's what we're called to do. When our world, like it has this past week, looks like it's going crazy, that's when we should be hitting our knees even more, crying out to God and calling on Him for deliverance. So in these last days, pray as never before. Next, bring your praise and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, worship, and prayer go hand in hand throughout the New Testament. We see it in, in, in when Paul's talking to the Philippians that we're not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, you know, making our requests known, but, but that we'd come in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Jesus, when he was going to the cross, he went with thanksgiving. He gave thanks. So we see this throughout the Word of God, throughout the New Testament, that worship needs to be a part of our prayer time. Number seven, persistence. It's what we started with as we began tonight. That even though we may be frustrated, even though we may be watching the clock going, even though we may want to give up, we pray and we wait. And we pray and we wait and we pray and we wait and we pray in faith in hope, and we discipline ourselves in our prayer. We discipline ourselves to abide with Jesus all day. We discipline ourselves to hit our knees before we hit our feet in the morning. And we spend time with God. And when we discipline ourselves, that's when God begins to move. I heard a story this week. I I thought it was funny, but I thought it was beautiful. Uh, there was a, a coach of Michigan State a, a long time ago, back in, in the 60s, and, and uh, he had called his kicker in. It's the end of the game, and a field goal will win the game, and, and time is running out, and the kicker's name is Dave Kaiser. And, and so he calls for his kicker to come out to kick the winning field goal and to win the game. And so he's out there. He's ready to go. The ball is snapped, and as soon as he kicks it, he turns and looks at the referee. Now, most kickers, after they've, they've kicked the ball, they, they watch the goalpost to see it go through. But this time, he kicked it, and he turned to the referee. The field goal was good. Michigan State won the game. Everybody was cheering. But the coach noticed what was going on, and a little bit later, he asked Dave, he goes, why did you look at the referee after you kicked the ball? And he said, don't be mad, coach. But today, when we left the hotel, I forgot my contact lenses. He said, I could barely see the ball, let alone the goalposts. So I looked to the referee to see if it was good. At first, the coach got very angry. (laughs) But then he marveled because Dave had so disciplined his kicking, the the, the wind and the trajectory and the, the angle and the goalposts and everything. He had so disciplined himself. He could do it with his eyes closed. I thought it was a funny story when I heard it, but I, I thought, what if our prayer life was like that? When we get so absolutely blindsided in life that we don't know what to do, that we are so disciplined, that we just abide with Jesus. That we just talk with Him. There's a saying that practice makes perfect. And so I want to practice prayer. And I want us to practice together tonight. It'd be a shame to talk about prayer 
and then not pray. And so I'm going to ask us to pray tonight. And I'm going to ask you, if you can, to get on your knees. If for some reason you can't, for health reasons or whatever, I, under, I completely understand. But, but if you can, I'd love for you to get to your knees today. Pastor Jonathan's just going to play some quiet music. We're not singing a song. We're just, we're just praying right now. And I want us to pray. I want us to spend a few minutes tonight abiding with Jesus in prayer. I want us to kneel right here so that we remember when we get home, before we go to bed, we're going to hit our knees. And when that alarm clock goes off in the morning, we're going to hit our knees. And we're going to spend that time with God. So we're going to pray. We're going to wait. We're going to pray. And we're going to wait. And then we'll sing a song before we go. But I just want us to have a time of prayer. Because I understand that for some of us, this is just going to be easy to do because we, we do abide with Jesus. You can just pray. But maybe you're like, I, don't, I know we're going to pray for several minutes here. I don't even know what to say. Got a couple things for you. I just loaded up a bunch of slides with scriptures from the Bible that are actually prayers from those 650 prayers in the Bible. So you can just read those scriptures and make them your prayers. There's, that's the best way to pray is pray his word. He says, if my word abides in you. I mean, that's, there's nothing better than that. So, so you can do that. There's also a prayer on there that uh, a doctor wrote uh, in light of what happened this week. Uh, it's a prayer for safety, and I thought it was such a beautiful prayer. I put that one up there as well. It'll be toward the end. Um, Pastor Jonathan with the Ignite Youth, and he preached this a while back, and I just thought it was so great. I just made some copies. I'm just going to leave them up here if you want them. Uh, you can come down again, but it's called Shampoo, and it's just a alliteration there for uh, different things we do. We start, we pray from our heart, we appreciate, we meditate, and it just gives you help on prayer. And I'm just going to leave it here, and nobody's looking, we're all praying. So if you just want to come up and grab one during our prayer time, you can do that. But let's just pray, okay? Slip to your knees, and let's just talk to God. Lord, tonight. God, I'm just done talking. Now we're going to do it. And we're going to pray. And God, we're just going to wait on you. And God, maybe we've prayed our whole life. And we're just waiting for you to answer. May you give us hope and faith tonight. May we abide with you tonight as we've never abided before. Lord, discipline us that we just, whatever happens in life, we hit our knees and we cry out to you. May we abide in you tonight in such a way so that whatever we ask, God, I know you're willing and you're able and you're good. So Lord, we hit our knees tonight with no agenda but to meet with you. need some help, so there'll be some stuff on the screen. You grab a piece of paper. We'll just spend some time with the Lord tonight.
we just uh, we just continue to pray and Lord I, I pray that you would forgive our prayerless days that have led us to this moment in you and Lord, I pray that we would be disciplined, that we would embrace the discipline of prayer. God, that we would pray and we would wait. And that when we feel like giving up, God, we would we would just pray in hope and pray in faith. That we would keep on praying. Lord, when you return, we want to be those that you find that still are full of faith. And so, God, we pray for our families. We pray for our world and our nation. We will pray for our life and, and God, all that it entails. We will pray reckless prayers like, here I am. And God, I thank you that not only do you just tell us what to do, you give us the strength to do it. And may we find that strength on our knees. May we find our strength when we are humble and when we are lacking and when we are crying out to you. Because God, we don't really need more of us. The world really doesn't need more of us. It needs more of you. We need more of you. So God, may we be a people that spend more time on our knees than we do on our feet. And Lord, that even while we're walking around throughout the day, we are talking to you. We are listening to you. That we are abiding with you. God, we don't want to be a bunch of complainers anymore. We don't want to take things into our own hands. We don't want to live in worry and fear. God, we want to abide with You. And so Lord, we set our face toward the discipline of prayer. And God, I pray that as we abide with You, You would send revival. That You would send a fresh touch that each one of us would say, begin with me. Begin in my prayer time. And God, set us ablaze in our church, in our families, in our world. God, Lord, in our nation. Lord, come heal our land. Come heal our lives. Come heal our families, God. We seek You, God. May we just abide with you. Let me ask John to lead us in a song, but let's just sing it from our knees tonight. Let's just continue to sing and worship from our knees. Lord, hear our cry. Come heal our land 
Lord, hear our prayer and forgive our sin as we call on your name. Would you make this a place for your glory to dwell and open the blind eyes, unlock the deaf ears, and come to your people as we draw near and hear us from heaven. And touch our generation as we are your people crying out in desperation. And Lord, hear our cry and come heal our land. into these dry and thirsty souls. And Lord, hear our prayer and forgive our sin. And as we call on your name, would you make this a place for your glory to dwell? So open the blind eyes and unlock the deaf ears and come to your people as we draw near. And hear us from heaven and touch our generation. Because we are your people crying out in desperation. Just sing, open the blind eyes and open the blind eyes. Unlike the deaf ears. And come to your people as we draw near. Nor would you hear us from heaven and touch our generation? Because we are your people crying out in desperation. So hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven, and hear us from heaven, oh Lord, would you hear us from heaven, hear us from heaven, hear us from heaven, yeah, hear us from heaven, hear us from heaven, would you hear us from heaven, oh God, 
would hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Would you hear us from heaven? Yeah. So open the blind eyes, unlock the deaf ears, come to your people as we draw near and hear us from heaven and touch our generation as we are your people and crying out open and open the blind eyes unlock the deaf ears and come to your people as we draw near would you hear us from heaven and touch our generation as we are your people crying out in desperation